Hello and welcome to Game of Moans, the podcast where each week we're looking back at Game of Thrones an episode at a time. I am Chris Bolton. With me, as always, our very own mountain, Mr. Mark Williams. Hello. And we are on season three, episode four, and now his watch has ended. Um, I've just realised on my notes, I've got season four, episode four. I think that's probably wishful thinking on my part. <laughs> yeah, you've uh, jumped ahead of it. You, you've missed a few interesting episodes at that point as well. But uh, yeah. we'll get there when we get there. I, I may take that back over the next couple of weeks because they may not be that interesting. But uh, I think there'll be a few things that pique interest and certainly give us stuff to talk about. Um, I This episode for me, um, I wasn't sure what to expect. Um it's a new director that we haven't seen before, a guy called, oh, fuck, what was his name? Alex Graves. Um, so I wasn't sure what to expect. I was especially having been quite pleasantly surprised last week at the way the episode was directed. Still some issues around it, but it wasn't as horrendous as I was expecting with uh, Ballbag and Dickface um, directing it. So, yeah, I wasn't quite sure what to what to expect. And then the opening, uh, the opening scene, certainly the opening shot where um, you've just got James. Um, so you start with a close up of a hand, and it pulls, it, you zoom out slightly, you realize it's a severed hand. Then you realize it's actually around Jamie's neck, and it just so the imagery you start with, I thought was really strong. Um, and it, it, we start off with quite a strong scene as well. I thought. Uh, so that's two for two uh, in terms of weeks that we disagree about the opening. Okay. Uh, I, I said last week that I thought it ended on a particularly flat note. And I feel like this opened on a particularly flat note as well. We've literally uh, just picked up where we left off last week, essentially. Um, it wasn't a terribly thrilling cliffhanger last week. We're getting the conclusion straight away, which kind of proves that. Um, oh, yeah, there is that. And yeah, it just, look, it was, yeah, it's interesting shot and stuff. I, I agree with all of that, but it's just... As an opening, it just isn't captivating. We've said, you know, many, many times now to, you know, one of the biggest faults in this show is they bring us in at the start of a scene. Uh, and they've done that here as well. You know, Jamie's about to fall off his horse and what have you. Well, why do we need to see that? Why can't we open with him falling off his horse and the thud of him hitting the ground? Um, that's a lot yeah, more captivating. Yeah, I suppose that's fair. I mean, I, I, I like the imagery. I think that the imagery is very striking. Um, and yeah, the you're right especially where you've got three ends of no on the horse behind him he's going to fall off his horse he's going to fall off his horse seriously going to fall off his horse somebody help him they don't want to help him they'd be happy if he fucking dies to be honest because yeah why not um so yeah you're right it's it's not it's probably not the best scene to start with but i don't given everything that happens in this episode i don't think any scene is particularly good to start with i think they're they're all quite flat they're coming from quite a um quite a flat place where we've we're in between uh, we're in between events at the moment and it's it's a, a problem we had in the in the first and second season as well is that you have a big a big a big start and there's, there's some some set pieces to really back in if you've had you know, you've had a year to kind of forget about the show or to forget what's going on so the, you know you have, you have your greatest hits tour to you know to do your previously on game of thrones and then you have one or two episodes just to sort of, you know, hook you back in and then this is where you have a bit of a slowdown from episodes four four five six before they then start ramping up to episode nine, which is where all the action happens. Um, so, I mean, this is kind of a, this is what was going to be kind of a come down episode anyway. And if you did it as a sort of um, a bell curve, this is where it starts tapering off. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, agree. it's, I think the, the problem is, and I, I, I think, I think you're right. It, it is a fairly boring way to start, but I mean, any scene in this episode would have been a bad place to start. Um, yeah, maybe so. Um, but 
again, it wouldn't have been quite so boring if you didn't give us all of that lead in. You know, the scene is is fairly good once we get into it. You know, Brianne's concern for Jamie uh, is nice and, and comes from a genuine place, which mm. I like. You know, they've built that relationship now. She's not just concerned about him because she has this this general concern for a fellow man and she's honorable she's concerned about him because it's jamie and he's stuck his neck out for her yeah um, and, and so they've started to build that bit of relationship and him you know the fight is great you know the fact yeah. that he gets up and he again he's actually wrong footing them you know he's, he's fallen off his horse and they're going to pick him up and immediately he disarms one of them um and tries to fight that's all great um why didn't we just start with with him falling off the horse or, well, or yeah. something or something else to bring us in just that slow opening you know where you see the hand and then you see him nodding and it's just got no pace to it whatsoever there's no drama it doesn't captivate me um yeah it's just boring uh but what you know when, when the scene takes off yeah it's great i think i Jamie's pretty badass in the fight, even though he mm. eventually gets bested. The fact that he's fighting with one hand. Well, I say he's fighting um, with it with his wrong hand, and he's outnumbered by about twenty to one. So he, he makes a pretty decent fist of it, no pun intended. Um, and yeah, I know that that I really enjoy. I like that part. I think that I think I think you're right. I'll, I'll, I will concede that when it, it was a slow start, the imagery was nice. I, I, I appreciated that, but it, it, that bit went on too long. Um, but yeah, yeah I mean, look here, and, it's, it's, it's easy, right? Um, it's easy. Um, 30 second fix for you. Uh, you start with a black screen and the thud of Jamie falling off his horse, just like we did with Sam a couple of weeks ago, thudding into the, into the snow and the white walkers and stuff. Yeah. Uh, come up from black with Jamie on the floor. You get Brianne shouting, he's fallen off his horse. He's fallen off his horse. Chaos and confusion reigns. Everybody's panicked because he's fallen. He looks unconscious. They got to pick him up. Bang. We're into the fight. Much yeah. more interesting. Yeah, and that was and much well. Still so. get everything that you were trying to get, yeah. except the shot of the hand, which we saw graphically last week. So, oh yeah, true. And you can give us later on if you really want. If you want to put him back on the horse and tie the hand round his neck to humiliate him, you can do it then. Yeah, easy. Yeah, thing. that's true. And again, like the stuff with him, you no, know, giving him horse piss to drink and stuff like that. It didn't add anything because we, you know, we already know they're tort- they're torturing him, and then you know, they're not going to let him go when they're. You know, they're, they're not going to be particularly nice to him because they've already cut his fucking hand off. No, there's, they've, they've already given us that that character information already. Um, I, th- I think it was, again, it's the uh, it's the, the frat boy uh, influencer going, oh, yeah, drinking piss. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but look, some nice stuff. The fight's good. The development of the relationship between him and Brian, where they're now both genuinely concerned for each other, mm. is good. Um, so moving on from that... Um, we get this this scene with Varys where we get his backstory. Yes. Um, now it's good. It's very good. It's well mm. delivered. It's well written. Uh, we are shown things as well as told them, which is fucking rare in this show. Yeah. You know the the revelation of the of the wizard or whatever it was. That's I forget the sorcerer. now. Sorcerer. That's it. The revelation yeah. of of him being in the box at the end. Excellent. Really, really, really good stuff. Um. But does this ever come up again? Like Barrett mentions that he has this hatred of magic. And, you know, when we start the scene, it feels like that's what the scene is about. Yeah. It, it feels like, you know, it's not so much, you know, they've chosen to give us Barris's backstory at this point because he's talking about the fact that he has a hatred for magic. That seems to be the focus of the scene. Yeah. 
Um, and it's not until we actually get that reveal that we understand, oh, actually, no, the focus of the scene was about revenge. Um, and that was, you know, it, it's clever to reveal that to us at the end, you know, the, the rug pull and, you know, hiding that in the frame all along. Very, very good. Very well handled, expertly yeah. handled. Um, but I'd forgotten that was coming. And so yes, I had to. Reading I the scene as, yeah, reading the scene as pays it, off either. Yeah, my, my initial note was, where is this hatred of magic come from all of a sudden? And does it carry through? Because I don't think it does, which is a shame because this is real, genuine, valid character information. Um, yeah, but look, um, the, the scene um, is fucking brilliant. Yeah, so. I thought it was really good. I mean, I, I got the impression because it was such a talky scene uh, and that coming from from me. Um, but I got the impression it was lifted straight from the book. Oh, I've written that. My, my last note on this scene is um, this is very well written, was shown as well as told. <laughs> I suspect this is straight from the book. Yeah, because, um, because I mean... <clears throat> they, me. Look, they just... They are not good writers. We know that. And they're certainly not this good. No, so, that's, I mean, it's the sort of even thing... Even on I their remember, best days. I remember having a conversation with, um, with Neil when we were doing something or other. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and... He was saying that it's something you, you see it so rarely in scripts, but when it's when it's put in there, actors really appreciate it, and it makes it that much more easy to perform, and it makes it easy to direct. Where you know you'll always have big stage directions, but you'll have you no know, little things like you know, he reaches up and scratches his forehead, he you know, stuff like that, which people do naturally. But mm -hmm. when when you're acting and you're in that sort of position, you try not to do it because it's I don't know whether it's a drama school thing or a stage thing, where you think right, I can't do anything that I'm not supposed to, I can't scratch my balls if they're itching, because that would be inappropriate. That would be unprofessional. I can't scratch my face. I can't lick my lips or burp or whatever else. Whereas, you know, you get the impression that, you know, Varys is moving around very frenetically. He's, he's constantly moving. And you get the impression that's because in the book, he's doing all this stuff. He's opening a crate. Yeah. But, you know, you can't just open a crate. You can't just take the lid off. You've got to take the nails out. You've got to pry it open. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. And, you, yeah, you get the impression that they wouldn't have thought to put that in the script unless it was in the book to tell them to do it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that that more comes down to the blocking as well, which was I, I mentioned several times last week with the scenes that the, that the blocking was absolutely excellent. Mm. Um, and he kind of is here as well. As you say, he is moving around this crate as he's talking. Um, he doesn't stay static for a second. Uh, and, and the whole scene benefits from it. It feels organic. Uh, like mm. I said, it, even though it's very wordy, it doesn't feel like it's wordy because we are being shown things, not just yeah. told them. And That's ultimately, right. the reveal is shown to us, not told to us. Yeah, um, and it's told to us after the event because you, know, you get Subterian sort of confirming yes. what, he, what he thinks. And he does that. Well. The one thing I will say with the scene, I'm simply saying about Varys moving around very sort of frenetically. We had one a couple of weeks ago with Cersei and Tyrion, and Cersei was doing the same thing. And it seems yeah. to be something they've adopted, and it will happen in the very last episode um, with Tyrion and Jon. Um, so spoilers, they're in the last episode in some form. Um, but yeah, so it seems to be something, some sort of motif that they pick up here, and then they don't continue it much, and then they sort of, they, they use it sporadically. Um, and I think it's a shame because it, again, it, it just adds a bit of, as as a bit of, just a bit more movement to some of the scenes, which are quite static when Tyrion's talking. Um, yes. And it just gives people a bit more to do. Um, I think... So I, I don't know if it's something that they intend to do and just forget about or whether it's something they don't realise they're doing. And I, the director I... kind of goes, yeah, we need to do something. I think it's probably the latter. And I think what it actually is, 
uh, coming at this purely from a technical standpoint um, and, and trying to to frame these scenes myself and block these scenes myself in my head. I think what it probably is <clears throat> is that obviously Peter Dinklage is uh, not of average height. Yeah. So whenever you put him next to a quote unquote normal sized actor, unless um, Connie Taylor isn't particularly tall either, I don't think. No, but there's going to be a height difference, quite a significant height difference. Yeah. So that can be problematic to frame. Now, if you're allowing movement in the frame, you can use force perspective a lot easier. Yeah. And I'm not saying we need to make anyone look any bigger or smaller than him. It's just about making sure that nobody gets cut off at the chin or anything stupid like that. Um, So that movement just makes it a little bit easier with eye lines and it makes it a little bit easier to frame everybody properly. Um, So I think a a certain amount of that, um, if you're a competent director, and to be fair, last week's episode was fairly competently directed, as we said, if you're a competent director, I think an element of that will come naturally to you because you Mm. will understand that, that things look unnatural and wrong. Yeah. Uh, and moreover, I think if you're a confident director, you're going to do it just for the fuck of it because it's showy, you know, and it, it adds movement to your scene. You know, if yeah. you can get away with a roving camera rather than a static one and you're confident with it and you know where it should be and you can block the scene properly. Yeah. Um, then actually it's something that 99% of your audience won't notice, yeah. but they will appreciate. They just won't know that they appreciate it. I, th- I, think, I think for people of a technical mind, blocking is one of the most mind-blowing things that you can see when it's, yeah, when it's done properly. If you know what you're looking at, it is something that can really elevate what you're watching. Yeah, um, but I think, as you said, there people who people who aren't technical, people who are watching it for the enjoyment of watching a TV show, they won't notice when it's done properly or they won't notice when it's done particularly well but they'll notice when it's bad. Exactly, exactly, because when it's bad, it looks like a soap opera. Yeah. The camera locked off and characters talking in close-ups. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so so I think there's an element of that in there because it, it is generally with Tyrion, as you say. Um, and so it's kind of, it's the Tom Cruise effect, if you like. Yeah. Um, it's just they don't, obviously it would be incredibly disrespectful to put Peter Dinklage on a wooden crate of any sort. So... <laughs> And, you know, we jest, but look, that's the other solution if you're in a static scene. And then well, that's, that's it. when and it just look wrong. Well, that's it. And I think the problem is because like they, they've, they've done it in so many things. Like, you know, they used to do it regularly in things like Buffy and X-Files because the female leads were considerably shorter than their male counterparts. However, in this show, they've you know, Peter Dinklage is whatever the technical term is without offending people. Yeah. Um, yes. So he, you know, he is a dwarf. That's what his character is, and that's what the actor is. So they don't. If they if they were to put him on a box to make it easier to film, then they've got to explain how all of a sudden he's grown two foot yes. just to get into that shot. So yeah, you're right. I, mean, I I hadn't really thought of it in in terms of him and and white and, and the benefits of that. Um, but I think generally when they do it, it works pretty well. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, so moving on from that scene, we we get the start. Of this kind of thread of dissension in the ranks amongst the crows. Um, yeah. Now, I, look, I understand that this is going somewhere, and I understand that this is going somewhere in this episode. Yes. But here, because it hasn't really been seeded that well in earlier episodes, no. if at all, this just feels like filler. 
it we've doesn't had... feel like something we should be paying any attention to because there are no major characters really in this scene. No, that's right. It doesn't right. have anything to do with our ongoing storylines. It's a completely new thing that's been dropped in here. <coughs> Excuse me. Dropped in here. So it just feels like filler. Obviously, it goes somewhere in this episode and pays off. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like it's going to here. It actually just feels like boring filler. And it is a boring scene, if I'm yeah. honest. It is. And the problem, as I said, there's, there, there are, there's nobody major in it. And we've only had probably one scene before this where there's any sign of dissent. Yes. And that and, was and where... You know, dissent um, isn't something that fucking happens overnight. It, particularly it on this scale. It needs to be, Yeah, it needs to be sown and then it needs to grow and fester. So, and, and the thing is that we, we don't know. I mean, we've talked about this before and it's something that comes up time and time again with the show and we'll do right up until the end. Time is fairly fluid because they're in different regions and we don't know how long it takes for now. We don't know where we are in, in a particular chronology. That's fine. So it may have been that this has been fucking weeks in the making. John's pissed off with the uh, with the wildlings. They don't know what the hell's going on. They've been massacred by White Walkers and all the rest. Of it. And you know, this may have taken place over a couple of weeks or a couple of, even a, a month or so. But we haven't seen it. We've seen one two-minute scene where one of them tells Sam to drop dead so they can eat him. And then two weeks later... They're talking mutiny. It just yeah. doesn't. It doesn't add up because we we need because we don't spend much time with this group anyway. What we do see needs to be far punchier. And if if this is the route they need to go, they want to go down, then they really need to be setting that up and using the time we spend with them to yes. to, to do that. And all we've had so we had the scene with Sam when they were when they were on the way back south, um, where he falls over in the snow and um, Mormon tells is it Rast I think the guy's name is tells him he's responsible for him. Then at the start of this episode, we've uh, or the start of this scene, they're shoveling shit and they're talking about no, nobody ever mentions the shoveling shit. They talk about no pardoning crimes and no defending all men. Nobody mentions the shit. Okay, but they're shoveling horse shit or pig shit, so that you'd expect that sort of conversation. But then to, from there to go into what happens later, it just there's there's it's, no it's build up to it. it has, very quickly, yeah, there's it? no justification for there, there's justification, but we have to be told it. It's all done in exposition. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And you know, we'll we'll get onto that scene when we get onto it. But that's again, that's quite atypical of this show. Um, so yeah, moving on. I mean, not much really to add in the next scene, other than Sam kind of gets his own quest finally. Yes. Um, you know, obviously, um, we we get the whole storyline with with Gillian and her child, and she's worried because it's a boy. So Sam now finally has a quest and a mission. So that's yeah. good. And it's quite um, nice as well. They hark back. He, you know, she gave him back the his, his yes. mother's symbol that he left with her, and he said, "I don't, I, I, I don't want your stupid symbol. I want you to get me not to get us out of here. I want you to save my son." So yeah. if you're going to give me anything, give me that. Um, and, you know, I mean, the two of them always work well together. Um, and, yeah, I thought you know, it was probably one of the f- one of the only scenes I actually cared about anybody in it thus far because we're not at a point where we, we like Jamie well enough to, for the first scene to have mattered. And he was a bit of I a do. Fuck even when he, well, yeah. I no, do. Me, me, but, me, me, me. Yeah. I'm team Jamie. <laughs> but, I mean, all the way through, I mean, we've discussed before, but he's always been entirely self-serving and a bit of a dick. Um, which I like that is his character. That's fine. Right. All the way have been since episode one. <laughs> but there's, Just we've reiterated not, that. Yeah, but we've. I mean, everything we've seen thus far has. It's not hinted that there's been anything about anything going to come up. And I think the pro, the problem with Jamie is that hindsight is a very good thing where you can see a lot of things coming, um, because no, because you know where it's going. Um, but I mean, certainly for me, I. It's an interesting story, but I, no, I, if Brienne and Jamie both got off at this stage when I was watching it for the first time, I wouldn't really give a fuck. 
I'd be furious. Honestly, um, I'd be furious if it was. Bearing in mind so. how how cheaply Death is thrown around in the show, yeah, it, oh, yeah, it, it would, would never surprise me. me. Wouldn't um, surprise me, but I would be fucking so furious. Wouldn't have been bothered. Um, Varys and Tyrion, yeah, okay, it was an, it was a fun scene. No, it was a good scene, but yeah, whatever. And then the scene with the shoveling ship, yeah, fine, whatever. So this is the first one I've actually. Okay, well this this is leading somewhere, um, where actually we you know it's a it's a, it's not part of the main story. It was never going to no, Sam and Gilly was never going to be the main no, the main through line. Whereas no, Jamie, because he's been in it right from the very first episode and he's been very prominent and his actions have been very prominent all the way through, you know he's going to have a part to play in several key parts. Sam is kind of like the comic foil, so seeing him actually get something to do which isn't anything to, he's not he's not be sidekick he's not doing it for anybody no he's doing he's doing it because he thinks it's the right thing to do and it's a it's a it's a nice development for his character which i didn't expect to have because i mean i've got to be honest when i did the, the first watch of this of this show through i was expecting him to be dead by the end of season one just because he was fat and useless yeah um he's, he's so, fat I mean, kid. so yeah and no we've we've no i say you and i've been there and so, we, so you see that in shows and no, there's always cannon fodder effectively and that's what i thought he would be he'd be john's friend and then he would die tragically um and then they went and beheaded his father instead of oh, not his father but you know what i mean so uh yeah it's it's one of those I, I quite like seeing sam actually get something to do that's relatively worthwhile just a little yeah. bit just a little bit satisfying i'm yeah. easily pleased uh no it's it's, it's a good scene um just kind of glossed over it if i'm honest though it kind of Obviously, knowing what's coming, it didn't feel important to me. But yeah, yeah. it's it's a character that you know I, I'm pleased that he's finally getting something to do. Um, yeah. So that's all good. Uh, we get a, a scene with Bran where he has to climb to get to the Raven because, of course, he does. That's yeah. fine, clever writing. Suspect that's lifted from the book. Yeah. Probably. Um, then we get I the scene. Probably. With, I mean, definitely. Yeah. Then we get the scene with Roz and Varys, which I fucking loved. Um, yeah. it, it's look it doesn't really do much other than give us a bit of character information about Littlefinger. Um, no, a bit of character love... information about Roz, but more than anything, um, I, I talked last week as well, and I've talked in the past about how this show sometimes doesn't get that you need to release tension, and to do that, yeah. you need humour. And yeah. this scene does that very well. It's light, and it's funny. Roz is always a joy to watch. Yeah. But there's um, a beautiful bit with her um, where they're talking about you know, how she knows that he's uh, little thing is planning on taking Sansa with him when he leaves. And it's you not know, there. There are two feather beds for the ship. Yes. And so, so who does he you know? Does he care about enough to to put a feather bed in the boat? One of his girls. And she said, Oh no no no! He, no, he doesn't think he doesn't. He's not interested in one of his, in any of his girls. How do you know that? Because I'm one of his girls. And there's just this little this half second of sort of sadness almost a yeah. bit of, sort of self-loathing where she's you no know, it's almost as if she's kind of she knows she's not on a path she wants to be on or she's not good she's she is on a path she wants to be on but she's not gonna be on it for much longer because a little thing is gonna be leaving and it's almost this sort of acceptance that actually everything in her life isn't what she you know what she, what it's panned out what she what she planned out or where she thought it would be and even getting them figuratively not literally getting to bed with a little finger and becoming his number two and no, running part of his business as opposed to being one of his assets. Um, it's all stuff that she's you no, know, she's kind of gotten accustomed to and gotten used to, and she's gotten a liking for. And all of a sudden, she just realizes that, yeah, this is all about to end. And it's like, you no, know, she knows she's about to wake up from a really good dream. Yeah, she is smarter than the average whore, no doubt about it. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it's good scene, good stuff for her. It's funny at the start where she's telling Varys about Pod, which, you know, 
inject some well-needed humor it into does, this episode um, i mean it's uh, one because of those it'd be well. pretty dry yeah and it's, it's one of those as well i mean because, given that these two have written it as well you get the impression there'd have been a lot of drafts of this where they you know where it's because he's got a nine foot cock or where, or it's because yeah. he didn't know it'd be something particularly smutty and crass and tasteless because they're frat boys and you know, that's what makes frat boys laugh um but they you know, the temptation to do that hasn't materialized thankfully um and there's a lot you no know, it, it's there's a lot more implied than it said which i think is great and it's 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 so rare in this show that you know, even to into minutiae this which has no bearing on any story whatsoever they you know, they've seen fit to include it but then they've you know, they've kind of finished off the joke from last week without really needing to do anything mm-hmm. um and sometimes they go a bit you know, they go a bit too far to hammer home the point um yeah. i think it was when um Tyrion was at the eerie in season 1 where he's in his you know, cell without walls and all the rest of it. And you know, they, they really just sort of, they go out of their way to hammer home how small that is and how close to the edge he always must be, except there's fucking 10 foot behind him in the nearest wall. So he's got actually plenty of room. He just doesn't need to go near the edge. But they hammer home and hammer home this point all the time and hammer home how, how high up the eerie is just because, well, fuck it, we've seen it now. We might as well. It was in the book. We might as well. And sometimes you get the impression they haven't got the hang of show, don't tell. Oh yeah, definitely. And it's no, it's just well, we've got to we've got to keep on going back to that because people won't remember. People are stupid. People aren't intelligent enough to realize what we're trying to do. So we have to keep on telling them and keep on telling them, not realizing that actually people know what you're doing and people have found you out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, it's it's good. It's an, as you say, it's an example of in some ways how far they've come, I guess, as well. Yeah. Um, but so we're out of that scene, and then then we're into the real good stuff um for me anyway the, yeah. the meat and bones of, of this episode um you know, at this point in the in the show's uh lifespan for this season and most of the next anytime we get the tyrell lannister kind of submergence i guess where, yeah. where the tyrells are trying to come in and, and overthrow them but doing it so Softly, softly. I love it. It's, I, it, it's, it's proper so, politics, isn't it? All, it? It really is. It's what the first season really wishes it was. Um, yes. And I don't think the politics in the show are ever as good as they are here because the characters are just all in their own way so yeah. delightfully vicious and damaged. Um, it, it's it's really good stuff. I mean, Marjorie twisting the knife on Cersei to start with. Yes. Um, you know where where Joffrey's gonna gonna take is just you know blowing steam off, and he's he's gonna take her. I forget where it is. He's he's gonna take her on on a tour. But they're, um, they're Cersei... in the yeah the, 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 the Septa Baylor, so they're in the the main cathedral, if you like. Yes. Um, and he's showing you know he's, he wants to show the catacombs and the tombs. That's and the right. The and catacombs all the rest and she won't want to go there and what have you. Yeah, and she said, "Oh, I'd I'd love to." I'd love to yes. go and see it. And she plays up to him and to a point where she, no, we already know she wants to be queen and you know, she's got hooks into him well and truly. And he, he he's you know, very much a smitten kitten. You know, he's, he's, he'll follow her on like a fucking puppy dog because yeah, well she's you know, batting her eyelashes and she's being, she's being what he expected. No, he, what he expects a girl to be. She's, she appears completely subservient. She's hanging on his every word. Her tits are hanging out, which doesn't hurt. Mm. And yeah, she, she's completely playing him like a fiddle. And then, so you no, know, they go down. You know, he's telling her all this stuff about about the dragons and all the people who died and all the rest. And she tries to show a little bit of compassion. And she gets this thing: of, you should be among the people because if they get to see you, you're their you're their hero. You're the one who led the the battle of Blackwater. Yeah, all but there's there's so much before we even get to that point in this scene. You know, you get you get her playing up and saying she wants to go and see the catacombs. Then you get Joffrey giving just this 
shit-eating smirk to Cersei. Yes. Again, just basically a slap across the face. Like, shut up, old woman, you know nothing. Yeah, so I've um, forgotten about that, yeah. Then then Olena then plays Cersei like a fiddle. The, the yes. double act between the two of them is amazing. As soon as Marjorie and Joffrey are out of her shot, she's straight in there about motherhood. Like, yes. absolutely plays her like a fucking fiddle. Then we cut back again to Joffrey and Marjorie, and that's when she starts going yeah. on about um, what is it she says? Is it sometimes severity or something? Sometimes the severity is the price we pay for greatness, yeah, something, something, that, something like that. that. Yeah. Just just playing up to his real base instincts of being a nasty little cunt uh, yeah. and justifying them. Yeah, and, yeah, and right. as as you were about to say, more than just justifying them, then she's saying like, look, just come and spend some time amongst the people. They'll love you. Of course, they don't love him; they love her. Yeah. But they kind of she convinces him to walk out onto the balcony at which point Cersei shits a brick convinced yeah. that he's going to get assassinated or something because she, she knows how hated they are. Yeah. And then of course the revelation that actually because of everything she's done down in the slums and everything, the crowd love Marjorie yeah, and they, they start like chanting chant name for them. And, yeah. Cersei plays it wonderfully. There is a complete shift in power. You can fucking feel it. Yes. You can feel the power shift. And was, Cersei just plays it wonderfully. Yeah, Again, it no words spoken, just a half step, first of all in fear, and then the realisation that she has everything to lose here. Everything. I, I, and it I mean, hits to be her honest, like a I, ton of bricks. I think at that point, I, I don't think it's that she has everything to lose. I think it's that she's actually contemplating the fact she's already lost. Yeah, oh, it definitely is. And it hits her like a ton of bricks. And it's, it's beautifully and done. And I mean, this... The, the way it's framed as well. Um, so they go up the steps and she's on about going outside and Cersei's not... Okay, Cersei's there in the background, she doesn't say anything, but then she's got this very worried look and all the rest of it. And they open the doors because Marjorie tells them to open the doors and they do exactly what she says. And this is something that'll come up time and time again. Is that All these guards who are supposed to be there to protect the king and to protect the royal family, they do what the woman with her tits hanging out says. Um, so they open the door and the the, 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 the cut then goes to um, a high shot from basically above the steps, looking down into the crowd, which, which they'll be addressing. And there's such a mass of people, such a throng of people, and the guards kind of close up in front of the front line. So it looks as though they're getting... They're, even they're bracing themselves to be attacked and to be mobbed. And to, because that's what happened last time Joffrey was out in public, is that they tried to kill him. And it's kind of like they knit together. This line sort of draws across very quickly until they realise that people aren't angry and shouting and jeering. They're cheering and clapping and chanting her name. Yeah. And all of a sudden, and it's again, we talk about tension and release. That one act, and it's only it's a fraction of a second that shot, where they all close together, but it sets the scene so well that then you just see them slightly. No, everyone starts cheering, and they slightly relax. They just sort of slightly part a little bit. So no, there are slight gaps in the line, and again, it's a subtle thing. It, it's no, I mean, I'm probably reading too much into it, but it's a very subtle thing in across the space of two very short shots. That again, they just kind of sum up the change in attitude and the you know, the shift in, in in dynamic since Marjorie's come along, um, and I think that it's something that we we get quite a bit of, but we for my money we don't get enough of. We never get enough of of Marjorie and and that sort of relationship with the people. Couldn't agree more. Um, but yeah, excellent, excellent scene sets up another excellent scene later on. Um, yeah. 
good stuff really good stuff the best of the episode thus far um and again you know another really solid contender for one of the best in the show which this season seems to be having a lot of to be fair yeah i mean um, to be fair they do seem to be coming into their own a little bit now where they i mean we we were very critical of season one and season two we've been critical of this season as well um in dispatches um but they they seem to be learning from some of their mistakes and they seem to be constructing even if they're not constructing whole episodes brilliantly that there, there are sequences now which are starting to come together yes that, definitely that are very so. coherent and then you know, when we, we we joked a couple of weeks ago about you know the highest praise we give we give an episode is that the writing is competent um but things are starting to come together and things are starting to look as though they are slightly planned out and slightly mapped um, are, and yeah, things definitely. are things are a bit more coherent and all of a sudden all these things are knitting together not yeah. quite perfectly but you no know, to a point where you think okay right okay i'm, I'm I, they they're not doing that anymore because in season one instead of doing this they'd have done that and it would have fucked everything up so i i mean i've got to give them credit for this they they are starting to pull it together hold that thought um because i've got thoughts on that which we'll come on to um in a few scenes time but yeah yeah, hold that thought because there's there's discussion to be had around that right um so we move on to the character that we still aren't naming um even though we may have slipped up inadvertently a couple of weeks ago, but the character that presently we aren't naming, even though we know who he is, but let's just call him Theon's aide at this yes. point, um, who is, by the way, wearing the hell out of that cape. Oh, yeah. Like, he looks like a total a, fucking ranger in that cape. He's a dapper like, motherfucker. He, he is wearing that cape. Um, yeah. I'm really, like, at this point... You know, obviously, we don't know who he is yet, but yeah. at this point, I'm really fucking digging him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> he's just swishing around in that cape like some sort of badass fucking ranger, just cutting motherfuckers down left, right, and center. Yeah, and um, now, yeah, when we, we're at a point in the show as well where that's sort of happening. I mean, we, we've got that where, um, I said, Elena Tur- uh, Terrell's just turned up. We've got um, Jojen Reed has just turned up with Bran. So, obviously, we are having these new characters coming in and basically taking that place of being almost like a valet or an aide um, and just fucking owning the scenes they're in. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was quite on board with it. And so, I mean, obviously, I know who he is. I think we did slip up a couple of weeks ago uh, and say who it was. But um, when I first watched it, not knowing who it was, I was like, okay, well, this has potential to go somewhere. I still think Theon's a cunt, but at least the scenes he's in aren't quite so painful now. Because yes, I, I would agree. He's and, not and chewing no... the scenery. Nor will they be, to be honest, moving mm. forward because of this person. Yes. Um, now, not that I actually like the on storyline, but certainly this person is always entertaining to watch. Yes. Um, Theon, for his part now, is starting to question his actions, and it just makes me hate him all the more. Yeah. He spends most of this scene whinging about Rob, and then Crying. suddenly changes tack as to how he regrets what he's done, like a fucking whiny little bitch. Like, look, just own what you've done. Well, just that's it. get the fuck on with it. So, yeah, Theon being fucking Theon, and of course... Being the useless cunt that he is, and as we said last week, he can't even escape properly. Of course, you would follow a man that you've just met down a fucking narrow, dark tunnel with no means of escape. Of course, yeah. you would. Well, yeah, obviously. Fucking um, idiot. He's such a useless knob. Um, he really is. But having said all of that, the way this character has been framed that hmm. we're not naming I, yeah. at this point, and I don't mean framed in terms of how he's shot, I mean framed in terms of the story. Yeah. Um, it makes all of this very confusing. Uh, only because we know what's coming, I think. Yeah. Um, 
But I think it, well, that's no, it, no it? it's more because we know what's coming. We kind of know what his game is here. That he's yeah, kind of I was going to say toying with with Theon. But other than that, he it's very confusing as to what he's actually doing. You know, this kind of le- leading Theon around in circles kind of thing. Like why? Why take him back to the very place that he first escaped from? That well, this is it, and this that is what I was wondering. Right, make is that any kind of sense? Does it? No, and this is something I was going to ask you, right? Because I, I, so I watched it lunchtime, and I was for once I wasn't doing a million other things in work. I was actually having my lunch and watching it. So a couple of weeks ago, when or might have been last week, when this person got Theon out of his cell onto a horse and got him out of there, and Theon escaped, sort of. He wasn't blindfolded when he got on the horse. He could see where he's fucking going. So how why the hell? How did he not recognise we've gone back there? Yeah, how did he not recognise this is the same fucking castle? And it just makes no sense. Like I said, no, moving forward in the story, you could maybe guess that he's toying with him. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, it, in fact, he certainly is toying with him. But at this Absolutely. point in time, it's all a bit like, well, that was fucking dumb. Uh, yeah, and it, again, it just feels like filler, doesn't it? It it does, and I think the only thing it. I mean, it, they didn't need to devote quite so much time to it, but like, this person at the end of last week summarily executed three people, four yeah. people, and we no, we know nothing about this person. So it seems that, um, it seems as though his actions are in Theon's best interest. He's acting on Yara's behalf because that's what he says. He's not come to rescue him and all the rest of it. Um, what a fucking waste of effort! Yeah, like okay, I get it. It's part of the game, and it's we'll we'll learn more about this character over the next couple of seasons that he is a sadistic little prick. But what a fucking waste of time. Yeah, I agree. And resource, because let's be fair, there's a fucking war on. Those people he executed could have been better used elsewhere. Yep. But fucking looks pretty cool in a cape, doesn't he? This is true. And he's no, he's uh, get, getting one over on Theon, so I always like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's Theon's fucking shit for the week. Um, back to Brienne and Jamie having a conversation. They're now at the point where I enjoy, I mean, I always have anyway, but I really enjoy seeing them together. So as soon as we're back to them, I'm like, okay, this is good. Anything they're doing is good in my book, but more specifically and more importantly, and this is why I told you to hold that thought. Mm. They're having a conversation about revenge. Yeah. Holy fuck. This yep. episode has a theme. Yeah. I was good. I, I, I almost said it earlier when we were talking about it. I thought, no, I'm going to leave that. A fucking theme, <laughs> mind you, which is one of those things that's for a seventh grade book report. Yeah. This episode has a motherfucking theme. Yeah, and the it carries it carries through one to the end. As well. I can think of, to yeah. be honest. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And as I, I I almost said it earlier on, and I, I don't know why I didn't, and I'm glad I have held it back. So that yeah. Um yeah, and it's it's a it's good again, it's good character work. Um and it's a, the scene with them with them earlier on, right at the beginning. I say you don't because there's so much going on, it's it's the it's the action part of their of their their episode. You don't really get to, to see any development with them. Whereas this one, you get this whole thing whereby um, he, he's not eating, and she says, "Look, you need to no, you've got to eat." And he more or less says, "Well, what's the point? They, no, they're going to hand me over and be executed anyway. They cut off my hand. Oh, poor me, my life sucks." And she just says, "Stop being such a pussy and get on with it. Don't don't just lie down like a bitch and take it. Take revenge. No, go after revenge. Make them pay for what they did to you." And yeah. it's it's something that I mean we've we spent a lot of time with Jamie, but we've never really seen him be anything other than cocksure and very um, very matter of fact and very on point and very on brand. This is the first time we actually see him displaying any sort of real vulnerability and self doubt, and he he clearly doesn't know how to deal with that himself. He's like, hang on, 
I'm nothing now because all of a sudden, I, I was a, I was a swordsman. I, I killed people. Now I can't hold a sword. I, I now don't, I have no purpose, therefore I should die. Right, no, and it's, it's, it's a good turning point for the character because all of a sudden he's, he's, he will start to be more human. He will start to be more uh, introspective. He'll start to have a bit more of a conscience about him. I know he, he's not the, he's not the same guy who threw Bran out of a window three seasons ago. No, no. So I mean, gross. it's, yeah. So I mean, it's good. I, I like this scene. Um, I'd say the fact it's just the two of them actually being able to have a conversation and you get so much out of him and also out of her as well, because I mean, she, you get a lot out of here. Just, just the, even at, you know, at, at the end of the scene, the revelation that that she knows that he helped her. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is that she you know she doesn't say a lot about herself, but she can say, oh, "I know, I know what you did for me." And it's like, you know, she doesn't have to say thank you because it's all there in her in the delivery and what she says and all that. She doesn't have to say thank you for saving my life because he knows what he did. She knows what he did, and there's just this unsaid sort of thing where they go, "Yeah, okay, well, no." You saved my life. I saved yours, and now we're kind of even. But no, we're we're on a par. You're not better than me because you're a Lannister. I'm not better than you because I've got two hands, and no, you're you're a prisoner because now I'm a prisoner as well. So all of a sudden, it it resets their relationship to a point where it's starting from not necessarily a positive footing, but certainly from from a neutral setting as opposed to but, a yeah, negative from setting. from a kind of equal ground. Yeah, they're yeah. not besties by any means. Yeah, but uh, they're, they're, but they're, they're not, not mortal no, enemies anymore yeah. either. There's, there's no dominant figure in it anymore. They no, no, they can no. be themselves and they can, they can be of, people. They're in it together at this point. Well, that's um, said. I mean, every time we've seen them thus far, is no Jamie. Jamie has been a valuable prisoner. He knows he can't be touched because they need him alive. Then all of a sudden, he's car- no, he's carted off into the wilds with her and nobody else and she, you know, she is very much in charge and he goes for it because you know he it's a situation he's never been in before but also he feels that because you know, being a woman he can get a rise out of her um and he does to a point but now all of a sudden they said they're both in the shit up to their necks and there's nothing they can really do about it apart from have each other's backs yeah i mean one of the things this show does really well and obviously it's it's from the book I would assume, yeah. um, but I, I credit a lot of it to the show because I credit the performers and, and their chemistry more than anything. One of the show, one of the things the show does really well is these odd couple pairings. Yes, um, and they really understand. Uh, and this is actual actual credit and an actual compliment here. Um, they really understand the arc of a pairing like that. They understand that they have to start off hating each other yeah. as mortal enemies and then they have to find common ground and then they can grow and then they can end up saving each other and having each other's backs you know we see it here we'll come to see it with Arya and the hound yes you know this this show does that very very well it does um, but when we get to season eight we're going to revisit this one because they fuck the arc up completely at the end yes uh well this one specifically jamie yes, and this one uh, specifically I I kind of disagree, so that'll be interesting. Um, yeah, because I, I kind of disagree. Uh, specifically, not not, I, so, not so much what happens with them together, but her, more her arc than their arc, actually. I think, but um, okay, yeah, it just yeah, it's something that's rankled me since like since the last season aired. So oh, that'll it's... that'll be interesting when we get there, because her arc is one of the ones I'm I'm pretty satisfied with. Uh, these two in general, actually, and there was a lot of criticism leveled at, at Jamie's. Um, I don't I, think, I don't I think Jamie's will like the. I don't particularly like the ultimate execution of the ending, but no. I like where it went. It went to the right place. Yeah, um, I, I, I agree with that. Um, but yeah, I think Brienne's is one I I, I disagreed with um, fundamentally, but we'll get to that in a couple yeah, of seasons' we'll time. we'll get to that in a few seasons' time. Um, so moving on, we've got still a lot to cover tonight. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, we get a scene, the scene with Tywin and Cersei. Yes. Um, off off the back of the one we had earlier, just as excellent. Um, some really really good stuff for Cersei in this episode, but more so, there's also some good stuff for for Tywin. You know, here he feels more like the Tywin that we had last season, yes. which is great because I liked that Tywin. It's inconsistent for his character again, which is fucking annoying. Yes. But he seems more like the Tywin of last season where he's firm, but fair. But also, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's being more political than tyrannical at this point as well. He's yes, not throwing absolutely. his weight around. He's measured, he's calm, he's thinking. Yes. Yeah, I mean, um, he dresses Cersei down. He makes no bones about putting her in a place. Yeah. Um, she, you know, he, he, does everything short of call her a silly little girl, I think, which well, is that's it. good. They managed to pull the punches <laughs> on that one. We didn't need it. Yeah. And um, I, I, I like the scene as well. Because she comes in and gives it an all. Have you ever considered that actually, you know, while you were spending all this time trying to groom your sons and get them in there to, to take your, make them worthy of taking your place and carry the name and all the rest of it, I was the one who was putting the work in. I was the one who was keeping everything together. I was the one doing the work, um, um, doing what you, what you told us we should all do. Well, they're off whoring or fighting wars and all the rest of it. I was the one who was holding down the fort. Um, and she goes off on this entire diatribe about, you know, you never give me credit because I'm a woman, this, that, and the other. And then he turns around and says, well, no, I'm not, it's not because you're a woman. It's just because you're fucking stupid. Yeah. And uh, what's, 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 what's the line is that you're not as clever as you think you are. Not as clever as you think. And that feels like the Tywin that we had last yes. season. And, that and is, when we that saw is season one truth. as well, actually. Yeah, um, that is but, just the truth. He's not a bastard. He's not been deliberately manipulative or horrible or any of those things. It's just, look, like, I, I don't really have time for this conversation. I have very important stuff to do. You think you're clever and you're not. Yeah. So you're having it. You know, he he, he dresses her right down, doesn't he? You know, this, he does. D- down I, to the thing where she, she's complaining about um, Marjorie manipulating Joffrey. And he basically calls her straight away. He says, well, I wish you knew how to manipulate him. Yeah, we you need to control him. Yeah. Um, the other thing I did like in this scene as well, it's it'll pay off in a couple of episodes time, um, probably four or five episodes time. But she says, "No, what are you doing to get Jamie back?" And he says, "Well, what did, what happened when Cat no, Stark took Tyrion? I started a war. What do you think I'll do for one I actually like?" Yeah. And and no, it's 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 all veiled and it's 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 all cloak and dagger. And oh, I'm doing everything I can, everything within my power. But you actually see at that point he's he's writing a letter and he's you know, he's putting his seal on and all the rest of it, and that will pay off in a couple of episodes time. We actually see that yes, he he's not that's not just talk. He is making moves that aren't no, they're not strategic battle moves they're political moves which will have a far bigger consequence um and yes yeah, so, i mean going forward again it's they've, it's like they've almost gone oh shit if we if we just throw this stuff in early on and use it later it'll pay off, it'll pay off. people might remember, also, people might think we know what we're doing yeah and, and also you know not only does it pay off later on it pays off immediately in this scene as well yes. because you know it, it gives him the meat to play with of like, well, no, I'm not starting a war because I don't need to. You're being rash and young and stupid. Just yes. let me handle this. Yeah, let I me know do what, what I do. I'm doing. Yeah. You know, um, and, and he absolutely portrays that in this scene. Great, great scene for him. Great episode for Cersei, full stop. Yes. Um, but to yeah. be fair, they usually are until like season yes, seven. Yes, to be fair, they are. Um, great, great episode for him. So that's a good scene. Um, on to another good one. Uh, we're on to um, Elena talking with Varys, and she calls him on his bullshit immediately. Oh, absolutely. She's just the fucking best, isn't even she? Even before she that, I mean, she... Greatest. Even before Varys turns up, she's there, and there's um, there are two handmaidens who are in sewing or embroidering 
like the Terrell logo, and it's like a, a a rose growing out of the ground, out of the out of barren ground, and um, live strong or whatever the fuck it's supposed to say. And she's like, yeah, we've got direwolves and we've got lions and all this. I said, yeah, but a strong rose, game on. And she yeah. just completely rips her. And it, all the stuff we had in the first so, season and a half about them. Um, so, no, so and so begat, so and so begat, son of whoever, son of, all this, all this of world building bullshit that we didn't need and doesn't go anywhere. She just completely calls it out. She's like, it doesn't matter what our schedule is because it's just a fucking picture. She's and I've brilliant. seen, I've seen yeah. this picture a million times. She is amazing. I don't know, Dana Rigg rarely puts a foot wrong anyway, as I said last week, but yeah, she's absolutely spot on in this episode again. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I, I, I just, yeah, I love this scene between them. And another thing, uh, we talked, and it was Varys again, we talked about blocking earlier with walking around the coffin. And yeah. and this isn't so much blocking as it is performance. Um, and I I don't think it was directed. I think this very much comes from the actor. It certainly feels like it does. But as they're walking and talking, watch Varys's eyes. Because mm. every time they enter a new space, he immediately checks every yes. corner. Yeah. Every shadow. Yeah, it's a really nice touch everywhere and it's subtle it's very subtle but it's in there and he does that all the time mm. and it's really prominent in this scene it's a good place to observe it he's always doing it if you watch him but it's very very obvious in this scene because they're walking and they're entering a lot of new spaces yes and it, you know it's, it's those kind of tiny little details that you know, as much as we rag on this show, we always say that actually we do like it and we do enjoy it. And and we constantly talk about how good the cast is. And it's it's these details. It's these tiny, tiny little details that can just really elevate a performance and therefore elevate a scene. You yeah. know, a rising tide gathers all ships. Um, and it's things like this that are just just a cut above. It's exceptional work, really is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, Again, good scene. Um, not really adding much, but just a, a good solid scene. Well, I mean, I mean, it's it, there's enough in it to lead into the next. I think it's the, the one immediately after it, and oh, we haven't seen Sansa for a couple Sansa, of weeks. Yeah, no, yeah. but again, it leads straight into that, and that's gone. I was gonna say it leads into that, and I think it's it's nice. Because it just, I mean, we've had all this stuff, and there's all this posturing and sort of supposed threat from her going with Littlefinger. No, we had it from Roz to yeah. Shay a couple of weeks ago. We had it at the start of this episode about, um, you know, between Roz and Varys. And so it's like, okay, well, we can do stuff about that because, you know, we're political too. And you know, for, for all of Littlefinger's cleverness and all of Tywin's plotting and scheming and all the rest of it, I'm fucking Diana Rigg. I can do what I like. Yeah. And so they, they then get into it as well. And I think it's, it's re- again, it's it's nice that they, they're taking time to build up other people's interactions. So I mean, you know, it's like us having a conversation about somebody else that we know, and how we can we can affect, how we can impact, how we can improve, whatever else. Um, because on a lot of shows, you don't see that. It's all cause effect, cause effect, cause effect, and you don't get any sort of any machinations behind it. So again, it's it's again, I suspect it's lifted from the book. Um, any anything that's good, I'm going to assume is lifted from the book. Um, yes. But yeah, I, I I like the scene because it does just. It, Sansa's character hasn't really been doing much the last couple, well, this season, to be honest. And I think it's just a nice way to reintroduce her properly and to get it her actually um, up and running. Also, you know, as as we said earlier on, Marjorie's always exceptional and yes. always, always, you know, always good to watch. Um, but it's also, again, pacing wise, it's another nice light scene where we've just had a couple of heavy ones. Yeah. So 
is a nice light scene to break the ice. They both they have great chemistry, the two of them. The way they're bouncing off each other, they are like sisters already. They are. I was, um, I was going to say that, and, and uh, it's a bit heavy-handed where Marjorie says, no, the, the long and the short of the scene is, uh, if, you, if you were to marry my brother, then you know, you'd escape from all this crap, and also we'd be like sisters. And again, it's another it's another power move from her. It but is, and it moves this, the story on. The scene it, moves the story on, but it does it yeah. with a with a lightness of touch, doesn't it? It, it does. Uh, and the thing I liked about it as well is that they they kind of bounce around. All you've seen from look, Sansa from day one, she was a prim and proper girly girl who you know she she would mind her manners. I know she knew she knew her place, and she you know she knew who she could talk down to, who she had to speak up to. She she kind of had that. And her actual sister was more of a bloke than half the blokes in her family. Yeah. So she never had that sort of relationship with anybody. So all of a sudden, there's another one of her just turned up a bit with bigger tits. Um, and yeah, so the, the way they bounce off each other, because she kind of, I think she, as well as recognizing she's had the lucky escape from Joffrey, and as much she doesn't have to marry him and put up with him, she kind of recognizes that there's somebody who's just like her and has been brought up in the same way, whereby she's been groomed to marry well and to have a, a noble family, and, to, and that's, that's her purpose. So all of a sudden, she you know she can identify with somebody which she never has before. Yeah, uh, very good scene. Unfortunately, they completely fuck it at the end by treating yeah. Sansa like a fucking child again. Um, all they needed to do was drop the last line. Yeah, well, you know, if they'd cut it off at Marjorie saying, "When I marry the, Joffrey, I'll be queen, and then we can be sisters," mm. that would be fine. But then she has to grab hold of a weeping Sansa and say, would you like that? Would you like it, little girl? Would you? Who's a good Sansa then? You be a good girl and then you can marry Loras. Like, look, why? Why did we have to do that? Why couldn't we just end the scene with them yeah. both on equal footing, agreeing that it would be really nice if they were sisters? Yeah. Um, and, you know, just end with Sansa in charge of the scene, if anything, not Marjorie. To, yeah. to just whip the rug from under like that and instantly just frame her as a stupid little girl again. Well, uh, this is this is my annoyance with this season in general with Sansa is that season one, she was a sport special and brat. We saw that. Season two, she started growing a bit of backbone. She started fighting back a little bit. And then uh, we talked about it in episode one, or maybe episode two, that they've just kind of completely undone all of that and taken her back to the beginning of book yep. one as if it's the rest was never happened. Consistency of character. Um, Really fucking annoys me. Mm. But hey, there you go. They totally fucked that scene. Ruined yes. it for me. Ruined with, it. Yeah, ruined with, with, with with those two lines. With, with, with Yep, uh, just, just yeah. with that. Um, but there you go. What can you do? Um, yeah. So, okay, so back to this dissension in the crows. Yeah. Uh, look, we touched on it earlier. I, like, I know we're supposed to feel threat from this. This this scene is very much, you know, shot and, and cut together like there's supposed to be this rising tide of dread running through as they kind of turn in on Craster. Um, but, you know, and actually turning on themselves as well. But mm. but here's the problem. As we said earlier, it hasn't been seeded. Yeah. We don't care enough about any of the main players in this kind of coup that's going on. They're, they no. haven't been built. Um, no, that's right. And more I mean, we've over, not really spent any time with Mormont since season one. No, no, we haven't spent a lot of time with Mormont. But but moreover, you know, other than what their actions will eventually lead to, are they really wrong? Because Craster's a fucking cunt, to be he honest. Is. And the only, so, the only thing they do, I mean, okay, what? Okay, I'll put it on the table. Murder is wrong, kids. Um, so uh, no, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, we can't, I, that that side of it we're not condoning. But what they're saying is right: is that you're, you know, you've you've 
you're raping your daughters to to produce children who you then leave to, no if they're boys you leave them to die presumably because you can't fuck them obviously they don't know about the stuff with the white walkers um mormon does but the others don't well i mean so, you can fuck the boys well yeah but you know they just um, can't give him more boys. Yeah, may, maybe he's not into that. Um, but yeah, so I mean, they call him out. They call him out the fact that he's eating good food and drinking good wine that he's had from them, but they're eating slop. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, so what they're calling him out on is absolutely right. It's just the way they then go about it, it's completely, unju- it's completely well, unearned. I, I kind of agree. Um, and I kind of also disagree. <laughs> so yes, I agree that murder is bad obviously um but in this world people you know this is a different time and a, and a different era and you know people would kill people left right and center i guess in in this fantasy oh, yeah. fucking world that we live in with its with its weird fucked up politics um are you, so are you sometimes looking the thrones are you talking about now well yeah um sometimes you know a death is is justified um i am fully on board and this is what my notes read um <laughs> I am fully on board and support them murdering Craster. He's a cunt. Robbing him is just rude, though. Yes. That's that's how I framed it. Like, look, he absolutely deserves to die. Oh, definitely, yes. He is a despicable cunt, but... I think the the fact he keeps on harking back as well, he's... as of the fact he... We had it a couple of weeks ago, we had it, I'm a godly man, I'm a man of God, I know, I'm I'm a righteous man. Well, clearly he's fucking not. And no. he's, he's clearly the only one, the only one who believes that. Um, so yeah, I, but, but the, mur- the murder whole... is bad. But yes, if but anyone was did... going to get it, he kind of deserved yes. it, right? Um, but they've been told not to, so that's bad, right? Yeah. Uh, but moreover, the idea that I, I'm I support killing him because he's a, he's cunt and he is actually antagonising him. Yeah. But they're in his house, they're in his home. To demand more from him than he's already given them is just fucking rude. Who do they think they are? Well, exactly. Um, but anyway, I, I did then like, you know, for as much as I, I'm i a bit confused by it and, and it didn't build towards this, I do kind of like the execution of, of the scene. You know, Mormont sort of dressing the guy down publicly and, and mm. telling him to stand down was great. And then the waiting for Mormont to leave before immediately just calling Craster out and yeah. not... Not, you know, going up and just running him through or anything like that. Just calling him out yeah, first. Yeah, you me, Sonny Jim. Yeah, just basically giving him the, you know, the just bring it. Yeah. Um, and I've got to be honest, like, I didn't, I, I vaguely remembered this scene. I knew, I knew that they, I knew that they killed Craster, but I didn't remember the details. But as soon as I saw Boone Gorman pop up, I was like, I've not seen you before until this episode. So, yeah, something's going to go off. Because you're expendable, and everything you every show he's ever in, he's expendable. Um, so as soon as I saw him, I thought, yeah, you know what, it's going to kick off now, um, and and it did. Um, but yeah, I didn't get what I didn't get, and again, it's it's because they haven't earned it on screen. They have no, we haven't heard about it, we haven't seen it. Is that he does that, then they all start fighting amongst themselves. That's the bit. I uh, yeah, that is also bit that doesn't translate me. because yeah, they've not again, they've not earned it. We've not seen these sort of factions, these tides rising within the organization whereby half of them are thinking, fuck, we want more. He should be giving us more food. There's a million of us. We could take his food. You can't do that. It's wrong. We know we have a code and all the rest of it. We're not murderers, thieves and bastards. We may have been before, but now we're brothers of the night's watch. We don't do that. There's none of this banging heads that you'd expect to to build up to that point where there's an inciting incident and and there's a fucking riot. We don't get it. So they haven't earned it. And I 
I'm at the point of thinking, why the fuck are they doing that? Why is he now turned on him? Why yeah, is he then why? them turning on Mormon is completely unearned, unjustified, yeah, and just feels wrong. The only the only person who you would have felt would be justified in turning on Mormon would be John after yes. the whole thing with the, the baby and the White Walker. You you get that because all of a sudden it's a betrayal of what they stand for. We're supposed to be protecting the people south of the wall from this shit. But, but actually, even so, we're, con- even we're so, allowing it. Yeah, John wouldn't have gone no. to this extent. No, it's, he wouldn't. You know, no. Like, first of all, the, the, the first hit he takes, you could kind of argue, is in the heat of battle. Um, mm. It's the second one that just feels very calculated and deliberate. And, yes. you know, at that point, that is murder. This is a coup. Yeah. Um, and it just feels completely unearned. And it's just another character death that comes out of nowhere and you and, kind and of feel it's, it it's for the sake it has of no it. weight either. As, yeah, no. That's it. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, you it's... know, as, as the story progresses, there will be drama out of this, obviously with, with where it, what it means for John. Um, but right now, John's not even here. Well, yeah, uh, that's it. And, and it is, sort of feels like this isn't the time or the place because it hasn't been earned. And if you, you know, if this, if this piece of the puzzle has to go in to get the conflict with John later on, uh, and ultimately, of course, for John to get where he needs to be, then that's fine. But this, this doesn't feel like the place to do it because you haven't earned it. And that is a huge problem with this show. It's just like, oh, well, that needs to happen this week because it just does. Yeah. And we need to shock people. You and know, and did, they were we already a few... We didn't do it the last week. And uh, we, no, yeah, we, we kind of... Yeah, there were already sorry. a few shocking moments in this episode. Well, depending on how well you you sort of have been reading the show so far yeah. this season, um, so you kind of I just don't think you need this. It feels unearned. It annoys me because Mormon's actually a character I, I like a great deal. Yeah. Um, I'm going to miss him. I'll be honest. Uh, he's as I said a couple of weeks ago. I think he's the best example of a leader in the show. Um, I think he is fair to all sides. Sometimes he makes decisions that aren't popular, you know, like yeah. the one we just discussed with John. But he understands that as a leader, he needs to do that. Yeah, and he it just understands feels like there's a, there's a bigger world. Yes, and it, and it just feels like he would hold his shit together better than this. And you know, if we had seen this slowly fall apart and him trying to hold it together, then maybe it would have felt more earned. But it it just doesn't feel earned at all. No, and it's I a shame. Um. So there's that. Um, Sam mans up, kind of, I guess, if you can call running away manning up. Um, yeah. But he's he's off on his quest with it, so that's all good. Um, uh, then we get um, we get a great line um, where I think it's um, it's when we're in with with Beric and and the rest of them. Yeah. Uh, and they say, where is this place? And the line is, it's somewhere neither wolves nor lions can prowl. Yeah. When they're taking Arya and the Hound and everybody down to this kind of underground cave. Now, there is no way they wrote that. That absolutely no, 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 no. That's, that's, from, that's from the book. Because it's this, far this too loaded with, tech, with subtext and it's far too clever. There, um, there's another line as well in this scene, which again, it's... I get the impression it's... I get the impression, A, it's from the book and B, it's been fucking choreographed and signposted to the hilt. Um, but um, Arya called... No, the hound says, "I'm not a murderer. Take that back, you bunch I of guns." Calls him straight away. Calls it. Yeah. You murdered. You murdered the butcher's boy. He was my friend. He was unarmed and he was running away. And you ra- you rode him down. You prick. And he says, "Is she the bravest amongst you?" And Beric gives her a look and says, "Aye, she might well be." And given yeah. again, given where this is all going, you've I've got no. Again, you get the impression that again, knowing what we know now, 
there's a great bit of foreshadowing in that, given the the interaction they will have later on. Yes. Uh, like, no, very, very, so I, I really like that as well. It, uh, on a first watch, that would mean fucking nothing. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was really well done. Yeah, but and, and then, of course, it's, 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 it's true to Arya's character, so he kind of washes over you as well. Like, she yeah, well, that's, uh, the hound out. She absolutely fucking would. Yeah, um, that's, that's it. That's it. From, on a first watch, that's what you'd think. It's that yeah. this is who she is. She's the, she's the mouthy little girl who will get you into trouble. Yes. Um, so, yeah, uh, we get, we're going to get trial by combat. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, for that, uh, but not this week. So, yeah. fuck you. Yeah, fuck you, you guys. Uh, it's a bit of a prick tease, that fucking scene, isn't it? Totally. Fuck you guys, arseholes. Um, but instead of that, oh great, we get the fucking slaver. Brilliant. Yeah. And fucking fantastic. Uh, now, look, we also see the dragon here because Daenerys gets the dragon out. I'm pretty sure that dragon's fucking shrunk again. I, 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 I'm not sure. I think the, the problem is because we don't see them all the time, it's very difficult to know where the fuck you are in the time. You know, yes, yeah, we're, we're I'm sure it, it looks smaller than it did when we saw it fly in off the bow of the ship. Definitely. I don't know. I'm not sure if it's the same one. All dragons it, look the same to me. It, I don't know if that is. makes me a racist, but all dragons look the same to me. It is. Um, it, I just think they've shrunk again. But, I, you know, again, it's been a few weeks, so yeah. don't, maybe, don't maybe, it hasn't that. Eaten. maybe it hasn't eaten. Maybe, maybe. Um, um, but, yeah. I, this, this scene, um, when we get to the end of it, something annoyed me a great deal, and it's because... I'm it's, wondering if it's the same thing It's annoyed me. Well, well, we'll see. It, 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 so to start with, let's get into the scene. Um, I think it's worth saying we mentioned, um, you know, the, the kind of back and forth that, that Jorah's having um, at the moment, you know, because there's, there's more than just him here now. But he plays this scene expert. He's superb in this scene. For everything that goes on, anytime they cut to Jorah, yeah. he knows exactly what is about to happen. Daenerys has not shown her hand at all, so she thinks, but he knows exactly what is going to go down here. And he is fucking horrified. Well, that's it. I think there's he's he's horrified, but also I think that he know no, he's the person who knows about any, anybody else, and I don't think she likes to admit that. But he can see that she's doing something that is a very fucking risky move. Yeah. And apart from being horrified at the fact she's come up with it, it's the fact that I don't think he actually believes she can pull it off. Yeah, totally. He's 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 horrified that she's go- going to go to this extent. And it's you, not going to work. It's not going to work. And also, if it does, she's not coming back from it. That's yeah. what I get from his performance. And he plays it expertly, again, without uttering a line. Yeah. It's written all over his face and the way that it's cut together. Expert editing for a change. Um, yeah. It's great. He's he's superb in this scene. Um, he, he's, I mean, he very rarely puts a foot wrong anyway, does he, as we say. But he is, yeah. when he does, he really fucking does. But he's excellent in this scene. Um, we get the reveal that Danny can speak Valerian, and it's awesome. You know, we've been talking about it for a few weeks because yeah. we know it's coming. But yeah, when it actually drops, it's a real fuck you moment. Like, it, it's proper, yeah, it's, it's a proper rally cry moment. That she's She's really good in her delivery of that as well where she just casually drops it that of course she can speak valerian you fucking idiot yeah. you should give me more credit yeah you know um that's great um but you know the slaver absolutely deserves it as we said because he's a yeah. cunt but she made a fucking deal like she made a deal she should honor the deal 
She should. But again, this is one of the things, and it's a, it's a minor one compared to other things she does. But she, you know, we get this thing all the way through. She's nothing like any of the Targaryens because oh, yeah, they were yeah, no, underhanded. And they, you know, so, yeah. so, uh, this she, is my you know, next she, note. This is, this is another one of those things for her character, isn't it? Yeah. It's there. It's, here it is. Here's, here's the character that everybody's complaining about in season eight. Here it is. Yeah. It's here. It's, 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 it's here. Brutal. She is not. It's in... completely ruthless. And yeah. also, it's calculating and it's fucking she's, really she's, sadistic. She's planned this for the last four episodes. Yeah. Like, and, and like I said, this is the thing that Jorah can see it happening. He knows her now. He knows how she thinks. She's kept it from everyone, but it's obvious if you know her what she's doing. Yeah. Um, and look, the way she executed is is fucking badass. Like I said, revealing that she can speak Valerian and, and just call him out. Absolutely fucking badass. But she's made a deal. She's got what she wanted. She should honor the deal. Not honoring the deal, no matter how much of a cunt the slaver is. And he is a cunt. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I said that Craster deserved killing and stuff. The slaver is just a nasty, nasty cunt. Does he deserve this? Probably. But is she the one justified in giving it? No, absolutely no, not. Right. She made a fucking deal. She entered an agreement with him. If she feels dirty because of that, that's her fucking problem. Um, but moreover, from a narrative point of view, if she wanted to do this, hmm. she could have done it three fucking weeks ago. Yeah. She absolutely could have just sent a dragon in there, burnt him to a crisp, and then stolen the Unsullied. But, but then they wouldn't have served her, would they? Because she had, they weren't hers. Well, you say that, but, you know, originally they, he gives her the staff thing, and she's like, oh, they'll all serve me because of that. But they don't follow her because of that. They follow her because she gives them a fucking Braveheart speech, where she's well, like, well, you yeah. can follow me as free men. Cast she could still have done that. She could absolutely have torched the fucking guy, stolen the scepter. And being like, look, you are free men now, but I ask you to follow me. Uh, and she gets the same result. Yeah. Yeah, but... it is annoying. Um, yeah. I mean, there's another thing that annoyed me in the scene as well is that, again, we've had this through line of revenge. And her the start of her speech is to uh, speak to the Unsullied is now strike down the masters, the ones that have put you in chains, free your, you know, free this, do this, that, and the other. And she goes off in this day. So we get this again, this this again, this through line, this theme of revenge. But then it uh, it's like no, it doesn't really translate because we've we've been told all along the big selling point of the unsullied, they're entirely obedient and emotionless. So, so they, they wouldn't, don't understand. They wouldn't the do revenge. Revenge. Yeah, yeah. They wouldn't understand revenge. I, I think, so to be fair, it's more. It is more about Danny's revenge for the way that the slaver has, has treated her. Um. So I I get that the revenge thing was stretch that point of view. Um. But yeah, certainly from the unsullied, it doesn't. But that's not the thing that really annoyed me. Um. But yeah, I I see where you're coming from. I hadn't actually clocked that until you said it. But yeah, of course, they're billed as emotionless warriors. They wouldn't understand the concept of revenge. Yeah. Um, she, however, does. So I think she that, does. That, yeah. That does but again, it's. But I mean, the other thing is, they're, they're entirely obedient to do exactly what you say. But they kind of went off book when it started and shit kicked off. They were killing left, right, and fucking center. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. It just bugged me as a as a scene. Um, bits bits that, of it did. That didn't bug me. What bugged me was when we get to the end of the scene and Jorah looks weirdly satisfied as he yeah. looks out over the army, even oh. though for the he's played the entire rest of the scene as this is horrible. Yeah, this, this is an awful idea. Well, what are you doing? 
I, yeah. I don't I don't condone this course of action. And, and that's yeah. what it is. It's not even the the what are you doing? This isn't this isn't going to go well. I think it's more overwhelmingly this is wrong. I yeah. don't support this. But yeah, uh, you make it, this is wrong, but it's the, wrong for is, you as well. Yeah, right? this, this is murder. Um, but it's like ah, well, actually, that all worked out all right, didn't it? Yeah, I, I, it was a bit of it was a bit of a weird one. Um, and again, her her entourage is growing because obviously she got she's got Obi Wan and she's got the uh, translator now as well which clearly she doesn't fucking need um so that was an entirely pointless thing last week but yeah you're right it's i i, I clocked it because from the way it's shot as well you just sort of far enough away you could you could see his face and you could see him surveying the carnage and yeah this is just this little sort of grin sort of thing where you're yeah. like hang on a minute that doesn't sit right no and, and it's not like you can say that's inconsistent from one episode to the next that's one shot to the fucking next yeah um now, there's only one way that happens, and it ain't the fucking actor's fault. No. That only happens because whoever's shooting the scene, whoever's directing the actor at that point, has told him that that is what he's thinking at that time because he must very clearly have asked for direction to have made yeah. such a drastic 360. By 180. Or what? Sorry, one eighty. Yeah, yeah three sixty. Be back where we started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm tired, and it's been a long <laughs> couple of days. Um, also, my math sucks. So, um, oh, so, so does mine. But even I got that one. Yeah, but it's just it's weird. It's almost as if look one one or the other. Either he started playing the scene the way I like, and the director said no, don't do that, or the director told him to play it the way I like, and he said I disagree with that. I made a bold choice to do his own thing. Yeah. Um, or it was neither of those things and it was just all over the fucking shop and nobody knew what was going on. But either way, you get a chance to rectify that when you cut the fucking thing. You just lose one or the other of those shots. It's very easy. Um, yeah. But you don't put two shots in that are inconsistent. Yeah, it's it's a bit... It's, it's just a weird choice, isn't it? Um, I'll give you a snippet on that, though. Um Talking about potentially a directing issue, potentially a potential cast issue. Um, new uh, first-time director um, was praised by the producers for his work, in particular his handling of the final scene at Astapor. Uh, he took a scene that had us quite nervous, the number of people on set, the size of the action, the amount of effects work, and had it all done in a few days. A scene that might take a feature eight days was done in two or three. So they're praising the guy, and we're saying, and we're pulling up on basics that actually the characters aren't even doing the right fucking thing half the time. Yeah, that that is that crazy. speaks volumes. That's praise from a producer, is what that is. Yeah, don't knock it. Uh, yeah, no, look, I mean, I mean no disrespect, <laughs> but that's praise from a producer who's watching budget and timeline. Yeah, yeah, he's that's... looking at. Hang on, we've got a big, we've got a big thing to. We've got a big logistic nightmare here, and you've pulled it off. Not actually, what are you putting on the screen? What, yeah, what makes a good director from an artistic point of view, and what makes a good director from a business point of view, aren't necessarily always the same, no. and there are almost always concessions that must be made to one or the other and actually you know when you get truly great directors and i don't mean auteurs here because they're all the way over the one end of the scale but when yeah. you get truly great solid consistent director that will churn stuff out time after time so look, let's take even though i don't like some of his films i i will admire his work consistency as a director let's take christopher nolan as an example mm. You've got somebody who can consistently knock it out of the park artistically, but always also comes in on time, on budget, yeah. always makes bank. 
that's a good solid director and that's the kind of praise that's being leveled here is actually oh they brought that in ahead of schedule so that saved us some money brilliant never mind that it's inconsistent in its narrative which is the primary fucking job of a director the primary a lot of people think a director just fucking tells the camera where to point absolutely not that is not what a director does director does a lot of fucking things which you can't even quantify but the main fucking purpose of a director is to make sure that that story is consistent and stays on track and at that this scene is an epic failure (laughs) it is epic it is um which is a shame because other than that this is another okay episode and as i said in places is very well directed some of the scenes are done very very well and we have heaped a lot of praise on this director for just that you know for the blocking and for for some of the performances that have come out of it so yeah it's just an unfortunate end um but other than that this ep is again pretty okay just like yeah. last week lacking in focus in places in terms of the wider narrative yeah but as its own slice of of tv it's got a theme it's consistent to that theme the pacing is nice um it's just a little bit all over the shop with the story fragments like it, it is seems, it seems a lot to have had the revolt in the night's watch and this with daenerys in the same episode yeah, yeah. it so seems you kind like of needed one or the other to finish yes, the episode and, off. and maybe if we'd had you know if we'd sown the seeds of that dissension in the ranks here and then picked up on it next week and given it a bit more time maybe that would have felt a bit more ruined um, yeah maybe you know and also even with daenerys like we've spent a few weeks with her but each week we've only seen a very short period of time with her one sometimes two scenes yeah so even this story culminating already is like okay we get it we're where we need to be but we're not really seeing much of her are we no that's um, right and that's what i was going to say um in, in, in my summing up so i'll come to it now is that one thing we have had a lot of this season is rather than trying to meld stories together or trying to have things overlap scenes overlapping just to keep an episode flowing and make it interesting you have a block of a person then a block of another person then a block of another person then a block of another person you might then get a scene with somebody you've had before and then a block of another person to finish and it's just it's like again they, they're kind of going well we're telling this story and this one and this one not not trying to weave them together or not trying to do anything to hold interest i think well it, well I, I like the night's watch guys so i've seen them so i'm not going to see them for another 45 minutes they might not appear again i'm gonna put the kettle on yeah because and you can kind of break it up into well this 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 story bores the shit out of me i'll skip this 10 minutes because yeah. why not um and it's just it's it, it just seems like a very odd formula and they do it all the time it seems to be a very odd way to put an episode together yeah and i think because the book is written in chapters from perspective so yeah. the chapters are all you no know, sansa one Tyrion four daenerys 96 whatever they you know the the chapters focus in that way. You don't have to do that with a TV show, and it's something that we'll come back to many times. I'm sure. Certainly, there's an episode where we had this dispute with another friend of ours on online about the the fact that this isn't the book. This is a TV yeah. show and has to be handled differently. Um, and this is this is the sort of thing that, that annoys me with it is they've kind of gone. We had no. We we just have to do it this way because it's formulaic and it's easy, and it means we don't have to think about how things weave together, how things intertwine. And when you are looking at themed episodes, it would actually work better if things carried through from one section into the next because you were moving back and forth rather than just having one, 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 and it not really going anywhere. Yes, absolutely. Um, So 
yeah, some some systematic failure really this week. Yeah. It, it's it's not isolated. Um, but in general, it's not bad, is it? No, I mean we started the season I think with a couple of fairly iffy um, choices. Um, th- as I said earlier, things do seem to be picking up slightly in places. Yeah. Um, there's there's still problems, and we'll keep on getting those right up till episode seventy three. Um, but yeah, by and large, things seem to be moving slightly more fluently and a bit more coherently than they have in the past. So I quite like that. And uh, no, this this episode was never going to no, it for me. It wasn't groundbreaking. Um, I mean, I know the showrunners felt it was a it was a big one because there were a lot of you know, there were a lot of key points for certain characters, which I'm assuming they stole from a book report. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's an int- it was a more interesting episode than I was expecting, and it does its job. It moves it moves certain elements along, but in others, it just kind of drops things on the head. Um, so yeah, it's it's okay. Yeah, I agree. Thoroughly okay. Yeah. Um, as always, um, listeners, if you disagree with that, you think we've gone completely off the point, or we've missed it, or something. By all means, get in touch. Um, we, we, we're always up for a bit of a, a bit of a chat about these things. Um, you can find us on Twitter at ddpodcastnet, uh, on Facebook with the Double M Podcast Network. Uh, our website ddpodcast.net has uh, our entire back catalogue. So this show, our other shows, um, some other shows by some other people as well. Uh, so go over and check that out. Uh, but until next time, game over.